trampled to be the grand old man of letters. Walpole was convinced that Maugham had modelled the character on him. Maugham denied it, and, indeed, others thought it was an attack on Thomas Hardy. But Hugh, always ready to imagine enemies, would have none of it. When Maugham wrote a placatory letter, Hugh petulantly replied, signing himself, Alroy Maugham Walpole. The anger didn't last, because Hugh Walpole simply couldn't keep his boundless generosity down. He confided in his journal that Cakes and Ale could only do him harm if his character was really like that. And if it is like that, the sooner I pass out, the better. When, a few years later, an anonymous American author published a book there called Gin and Bitters, which was a vicious attack on Maugham, some muttered behind their hands that Walpole had written it in revenge for cakes and ale. Hugh leapt to his friend's defence. I am not writing this from hysteria, or any motive, but one of real and true affection for yourself. But if the generosity of spirit that allowed Hugh to write that, and to help so many young writers throughout his lifetime, was his greatest strength of character... His main weakness was that he'd always been thin-skinned, had always worried about his legacy. Would memory of his books fade, as it had with so many once-famous, once-fated Victorian novelists? In an essay on reading, published in 1926, Walpole wrote, There is at the present time a superstition far too general among clever people that if a book has any large sale, it cannot be good literature and it is amusing for an onlooker to perceive how an author, who has been a hero of a clever critic only yesterday, may go down in his estimation as soon as a book by him wins a wide public appreciation. Hugh Walpole was right to worry. When he passed out in 1941, at the tragically early age of 57, his critics and detractors were quick to emerge from the literary undergrowth. A particularly vitriolic obituary in the Times belittled his achievements and described him as a sentimental egotist who was unpopular with his fellow writers. Many of those writers sprang to his defence. T.S. Eliot and J.B. Priestley sent indignant letters of protest, but the damage had been done. He had written almost fifty books, but they are all out of print save for this revival of the Herries Chronicle. The irony about Sir Hugh Walpole's unwarranted loss of popularity is that for some decades he'd been his publisher's favourite author. He'd arrived on the literary scene, not as a shooting star that quickly burned out, but as a hard-working writer who steadily built a popular following as one novel followed another and each attracted a bigger, more appreciative audience. And there were several nibs to Walpole's prolific pen. Essentially a romantic, he had a taste for the macabre and wrote psychological thrillers. One of them, The Prelude to Adventure, attracted the attention of Carl Jung, who described it as a psychological masterpiece. He wrote books for and about children, books about politics, war and religion, studies of Joseph Conrad and Anthony Trollope, drama and short stories. When Walpole was at work, he was superstitious and spontaneous. 
Many of his novels were started on Christmas Eve at his sister's house in Edinburgh, which he believed would bring the book good luck. He dreamed the plots of many of his novels. But when he started to put those dreams to paper, he worked at a frantically business-like pace, writing in a stream of consciousness, scarcely ever revising. His critics described him as sloppy, not taking sufficient care to pick and choose his way through the perfections of language, but the sheer energy of his writing explains why books such as the Herries novels are still so vibrant. There's no doubt that in some ways he was sloppy. His grasp of spelling, punctuation, consistency and historical research left a lot to be desired. He once received more than 50 letters from readers pointing out that a lady in one of his novels had a moustache on one page and none at all on another. He called his second novel Maradick at 40, but spelled...